Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, well, hang on a second. I'll, I'll explain uh, in one moment. Um, let's see. <laughs> I'm harassing, I am harassing my employees. So the, the 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 New York Post has a has a story out about Stephen Crowder. The the um, I I don't quite even even understand. Um, so apparently Stephen Crowder he was abusive to his employees, according to the New York Post. Uh, Ten former employees claim Stephen Crowder ran an abusive company. He often screamed at his employees, including his own father, exposed his genitals, sent out directives to arbitrarily fire people, and made underlings wash his dirty laundry. Sounds like a a pleasant guy. So they sent me this. My my employees sent me the story, along with the text, if half of this is true, the guy's a complete lunatic, also, if you ever pull your junk out on me, you're going to lose it. Who does this outside of junior high? So I sent him my uh, Dick Cheney picture. <laughs> yep. Um, so what I do when people refer to those sorts of pictures, I send them a picture of Cheney. It's like, here's my Dick Cheney picture. <laughs> uh, who does this? Who So... My gosh, um, <laughs> you say yes. Yes, he has, Philip. Yes. Uh, has Eric ever sent you one of those pictures? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> and then you say Cheney. <laughs> I just, so, okay. All right, you know what? Um, might as well. Uh, you, you know the 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 louder with Crowder series. I've got a lot of friends who, um, um, they 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 paid attention and they they sent us memes and stuff. It's got one point three million Instagram followers. I've got like twenty seven thousand. Um. I remember when he was at Fox News and in people there suggested he had some sort of diva behavior and wasn't much then. Uh, I, I just, I feel horrible for his wife, for the people who worked with him. It just, okay, so y'all have heard the story before. I'm trying to dance around some of this because some of it is gossip, but you all have heard the story before. When I got into doing radio, Rush Limbaugh told me I needed to hire someone. He called him my designated a-hole and and the job was to tell me, not others, tell me when I'm screwing up, keep me in line, uh, not allow me to get the massive ego, uh, not allow me to think that everything is hunky-dory when it may not be. And that was one of the reasons I, I wanted to hire Charlie. Uh, and he has is, is relished the opportunity to tell me when I'm screwing up. 
I find more and more in the entertainment business, the people who surround themselves with yes men and those who affirm everything they want are the people who wind up in these situations. Let's be real honest here. Probably many of you, someone could film you on a time you're having a bad day. Undoubtedly, someone could... Um, someone could... They, they could film you, excerpt it, edit it, and make you look like a horrible human being, and you're having one bad day. And your life could be defined by that one bad day. And you could be ruined. I, I get that can happen. But typically, those people who are defined by that one moment will, will have others come forward and defend them and say, yeah, okay, maybe he was having a bad day. I don't condone that, but he's actually not a bad person. But you don't have this in these situations. You don't have that in his situation. Most of the, the, the people who left him, they, 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 they say terrible things about him. The, the burnout rate is something. Here's my rule of thumb on whether I like someone or not. Let me use Kamala Harris as an example. Kamala Harris has a very high turnover of staff. That suggests Kamala Harris, people will say, well, she's demanding, but actually it suggests she's high maintenance. There are a couple of personalities I know at Fox who have massive regular staff turnover. People burn out after six months or so because the person is terrible to work for. Contrast that with someone like Bill Maher, HBO's Real Time. I'll tell you, when I started doing Bill Maher's show, I was obviously very apprehensive. I feel like I'm going into the lion's den with the guy, um, that that it's, it's not something that's going to uh, work to my advantage. When I was at CNN for years, people wanted me to do it. I said, no, 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 no. And then when I was at Fox, they wouldn't let me do it. And so when I finally got free of Fox, I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go do Bill Maher's show. And so I went to do Bill Maher's show. And what I found is that the people who worked for Bill Maher had been working for him for 15, 20 years. They were lifers with Bill Maher. And that immediately actually put me at ease. Before I ever went on Bill Maher's show for the first time, and I haven't been for a while. I think they forgot I exist, or maybe I sucked. I don't know. My feelings aren't hurt. They have plenty of great guests, and he's got a lot of buzz. But when I went on that show without knowing anything about Bill Maher other than the people who asked me to come had worked for him for more than a decade, immediately told me this is a nice person. Whether I agree with him on politics or not, this is a nice human being. When you have people who work for you that long, people will not put up with that nonsense for that long. When you have high turnover, when you have high staff turnover, when you have uh, people who behind the scenes are uh, are out to get you or badmouth you or whisper about you when they leave, that tells me it's you, not them. When everyone who works for you has to be put under a non-disclosure agreement, that probably indicates a red flag. I have Candace Phillips. 
and Charlie. Charlie has worked for me for longer than any of them. Philip has worked for me since he right out of right out of college, uh, 2015. Uh, Candace has been working for me since about then. Uh, if anything, Candace's chief complaint and for Charlie and Philip's chief complaint is that I don't delegate enough to them. I keep everything for myself as a product of having been a lawyer and then going out on my own and working on my own for so long. They want me to give them more stuff in my life to do. This is not to tout me other than none of these people are under, under an NDA, but I have enough faith and trust in them. You're never going to get a tell-all book from them about me. One, I'm super boring, but two, uh, the, I, I I try not to be a terrible boss. And I, this goes back to the Stephen Crowder story and, and the things that I have heard recurring within the conservative movement for so long about how he wasn't an easy person to work with and was not behind the scenes a nice person. I, I've never had a bad problem. I've met him several times. He always seemed like a nice person. But the stories behind the scenes were always too much of a diva, too much of a big head. Uh, the, this story in the, the New York Post, the last sentence here, these terrible ideas and moves have always been in his nature, but over time he has surrounded himself with only yes men and his family who work for him. They don't tell him otherwise. There is no one there to hold him to account says an ex-staffer. I am more and more convinced in my life and career in radio and in entertainment, in TV, that the people who go far in life, the people who succeed and excel, are the people who surround themselves with people who have the freedom to say no and have the freedom to correct them. There's a clip of Taylor Swift. It's part of an HBO documentary series or Netflix one. And it's getting a lot of buzz among conservatives because it's talking about her wanting to come out publicly and, and say she did not like Donald Trump uh, and would not be voting for him and urging people to vote for Joe Biden. And she's surrounded by people arguing with her from her team that she shouldn't do it, that it'll alienate people. She's is somewhat in tears saying she thinks it's the right thing to do. She wants to do it. Regardless of your views on her, and listen, I took my daughter to the Taylor Swift concert and had a number of people leave nasty comments uh, about how I was going to have my kid indoctrinated as a woke or whatnot, uh, not trusting me as a parent to be able to shepherd my children, somehow thinking that Taylor Swift was going to have more influence on my kid than me. Uh, deeply insulting comments from, from just the brain biblical donkeys you get on social media who sometimes think they're trying to help you by giving you blunt advice when really they're just awful people. And what struck me, regardless of your view about Taylor Swift, is that she had people who were comfortable enough with her to push back on her and argue with her and tell her she shouldn't do this. And ultimately, she made the decision to do it. She thought it was the right decision. I, I Yes, she alienated herself from some conservatives, undoubtedly, but she thought it was the right thing to do, and she did it. But it's not what she did or did not do. It's not the ultimate decision. It's that she, an extremely wealthy person, surrounds herself with people who could push back on her about how she wanted to run her company, how she wanted to run her life, how she wanted to manage her image. Those people did not lose their jobs. They're still with her. That speaks highly of her as someone who is comfortable enough to make decisions where the team doesn't agree. I, I got to tell you. I occasionally make decisions that people in my company and my team disagree with. And they think that that I shouldn't do these things. Hello, Philip, Substack, but we'll move on. These things, sometimes you being the boss have to make the decision. 
But if you surround yourself with employees who can't speak up and tell you you've screwed up, who can't speak up and tell you you shouldn't do it, you're not going to last. This is an awful situation. This is not a good situation. This is not actually something I intended to speak on radio about. This this came in during commercial break. Uh, my team sent me the story and, and said, you should read this. This is terrible. It, it is uh, awful allegations by people who worked for him and around him uh, who don't have anything nice to say about him. Referring to him as a bully. Treat people well. And again, to the Bill Maher situation, I, I mean, he compl- not even knowing him, having never encountered him, not knowing what to expect on a show, uh, going in knowing that he was surrounded with people who'd worked for him forever, immediately told me this was not a bad person. This was a good person. And you find this throughout politics. You find it in the entertainment industry. You find it in the private sector. Uh, the people who can keep people long-term on the payroll and keep them happy, those are the people you want to work with and the people you want to work for because they realize it's it's about more than them. The people who surround themselves with yes-men who make it all about themselves and their personal vanity, those are the people who eventually burn out. Those are the people who eventually have a ring doorbell camera leaked to someone on the internet, showing them in the worst possible light, and no one comes forward and stands up and says, this guy clearly had a bad day, but let me tell you about my friend, who is actually a very nice guy misrepresented uh, by this one encounter. I would notice, and I would point out, that's not happening with Steven Crowder in this situation. I keep having friends tell me they realized I was right. Every time you wash sheets from Bowl and Branch, they get softer and softer. They're the most luxurious sheets. The highest quality, incredible craftsmanship with just unmatched softness. 100% traceable organic cotton. It gets softer with every wash. I tell you guys that it's true. I can tell you it's a big difference. And I have bought different pairs of sheets to try to find some best. I keep coming back to my Bowl and Branch sheets. They're incredible. They're buttery to the touch, super breathable. They're perfect for cooler weather and warmer weather. Why the drape? You actually feel like you've got something, a substance on you so you can snuggle in, but you don't get overwhelmingly hot during the during the summertime, and it's just the perfect weight under the blanket as well during the wintertime. I love Bowling Branch sheets. They're so luxurious. They're loved by four U.S. presidents. Got over 10,000 raving reviews. Right now, get 15% off your first order when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. To the phones we go, Lisa, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Great to talk to you again. <laughs> sure. Um, I had a question. I, I hear a lot about this full faith and credit thing, and I was talking to Charlie about it, and he said, hmm, never heard that before. When... One takes the birth certificate sometimes, and you might know about this because of world travel, but I guess certain countries require a birth certificate to be apostilled by the Department of State. And when they send that, when they do that process, they grommet it. It's a beautiful document. And the the cover page says in there that it is, what does it say? Oh, to whom? To all who whom 
These presents shall come greetings. I certify that this document hereunto annexed is under the seal of the state of where you're born, mine case, it's Michigan, and that such seals are entitled to the full faith and credit. And this is a, a governmental document apostilling a birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered what your thoughts were on that, the full faith and credit part. Yeah, so that is, uh, it's a provision uh, under Article 4 of the Constitution that says, full faith and credit shall be given in each state to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state, and Congress may by law prescribe the manner within such acts. Um, Essentially, uh, what this full faith and credit clause does within this, uh, it's diplomatic ease, essentially, in your passports and the like, is showing that uh, the United States treats you as a citizen and uh, you should be accorded the rights of an American citizen where you go. And in return, the United States shall reciprocate to that country uh, in their their immigration uh, into the United States, their flow through the United States. Uh, it, it's a old phrase that was diplomatic language, very common in the 17 and 1800s. Uh, when we got to the post-Civil War era of the United States, the language had changed a little bit. And uh, in the 14th Amendment, they added a public debt clause to the 14th right. Amendment as the language had changed. So that's actually the basis now of where uh, Congress has to honor the debts of the United States. Uh, but it's it's a it's a very old phrase. You find that phrasing very similar with the French and the English diplomatic protocols of the 17th and 17 and 1800s as well. Um, in fact, uh, if we want to really nerd out on it, uh, where these things come from is the post-Napoleonic treaties that the um, that the countries of Europe entered into uh, after the Napoleonic campaigns. The United States only agreed to two of the treaty provisions uh, as a global power at the time. One was that uh, the United States would embrace French as the diplomatic language of the world. And two, that the United States uh, would give full faith and credit uh, to the governing laws of the European powers, and they would to the United States. Uh, again, the, the full faith and credit clause coming in there. Um, so right. a lot of that language comes from the Napoleonic Wars. Yes, and I think that was part of what I had studied. I was in a group, and we were studying this kind of stuff years ago, and um I just wondered when I got that document back, yep. I thought, oh, wow, there's those famous words, yep. and now they keep coming up again. <laughs> yep, Lisa, so. I, I got to let you go there. We're, we're, we're right on the clock, but, yep, that's that's the history of it. And then if you want to look at Amendment 14 of the Constitution, that's where the public debt clause exists. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I want to give you a full disclosure before we get into this topic. Uh, it is it is a delicate topic. And if you have small children or ch- kids with you, it's a somewhat uncomfortable topic. And uh, it may not be appropriate for them. I will leave you to decide whether or not, um, if you have kids around, that you need to continue listening uh, for the next 10 minutes. There was a very interesting Twitter exchange that happened yesterday. 
It was a progressive activist who accused conservatives of banning books. A conservative activist responded to the progressive activist and said, we're not banning books, but we are trying to keep inappropriate material from children like this book and showed pictures from the the book that is being supposedly banned. This book is a book about a kid who is exploring sexuality, and the book graphically, graphically depicts sex between kids. Uh, And when I say graphically depicts, the book called Gender Queer is a graphic comic and depicts various sex acts and adults' inappropriate contact with minors. It shows very explicitly in drawings what is happening. And it was in elementary schools. Chelsea Clinton, Hillary and Bill's kid, tweeted this out. Over 50% of the attempted book bans last year involved books with LGBTQ plus characters and themes. Books are a vital way that children, adolescents, and adults learn about themselves and our world. Bans such as these are nothing but harmful. Twitter has added a uh, context to this. Genderqueer, the book shown in the photo, per, uh, features sexually explicit material. The book contains visual depictions of oral sex, uh, adult sexual contact with a minor, and other things. So back to that original tweet, the progressive activist said conservatives trying to ban books. The conservative responded and said, no, we're trying to keep uh, inappropriate materials from elementary school kids and put pictures up from that book, Genderqueer, and the progressive activists respond, I can't believe you're showing me pornography. I'm going to call Twitter and tell them what you're doing to me. And the point was the conservative activist was showing pictures from the book that the progressive activists did not want to be seen, thought it was pornographic, and yet couldn't understand this is what conservatives are banning. And and the subtle sleight of hand when the New York Times covered this story, for example, the New York Times covered this sympathetically from the perspective of the author of the book, Genderqueer, and could not in the pages of the New York Times show pictures from the book. So what the left is doing, what Hillary, what Chelsea Clinton does, what the New York Times does is they say that the conservatives are trying to ban a book about uh, kids who are exploring their sexuality or or kids in the LGBTQ community. What they do not say, what they do not note is that the specific book that conservatives are targeting is so sexually explicit The New York Times can't run pictures of it in the pages of the New York Times. They're trying to have it both ways. This gets to the conservative allegation of grooming. A friend of mine sent me a note yesterday. You know, if you pay attention to the language of puberty-blocking drugs... 
what they what the language is is mostly no long-term impact. That doesn't mean there's no long-term impact. It means there is some. One of the issues is it stunts development. You get a kid on puberty blockers before they hit puberty. Even if they get off of them later, it stunts their development. I don't think it's a coincidence, and my friend was asking me, am I crazy to think this? No, I, I'm, I'm tracking the same thing. I don't think it's a coincidence you're seeing more and more people in the alphabet gang try to normalize and justify minor attracted persons, they call them. They mean pedophiles. When you have a bunch of people taking puberty blockers or encouraging kids to take puberty blockers so that even as they get to the age of consent, they still look like minors. There's an entire category of deviancy out there of people who are sexually attracted to those who may be of legal age but look way younger. All of this madness is just spreading in society. And as conservatives have responded, they're the culture warriors. I got to tell you, who's the culture warrior? The person who's standing put, not moving, saying no? Or the person who's saying, we would like to introduce your children to puberty blockers, uh, genital surgery, and pornography in elementary school so they can explore their sexuality? I think that might be the culture warrior. The person who say, no, I think the status quo is fine, isn't really the culture warrior. But you notice how the media, the left, they all decide that uh, it's the right that are the culture warriors. Here again, this is NBC News. The headline is, over half of 2022's most challenged books have LGBTQ themes. And they're holding up in the graphic display, uh, open, someone reading this graphic book, Gender Queer. What they do not show are pictures from inside the book. Last year's most challenged book was the award-winning memoir, Gender Queer. The illustrated memoir, which chronicles non-binary author Maya Kobabi's journey of self-identification, has faced unparalleled pushback from school boards and conservative activists. When a book is removed from a library or a library defunded, it impoverishes the whole community. Books can provide us with reflections of ourselves and windows into others' experience, Kobabi said in an email. I know genderqueer has been both of these for different readers, many of whom have reached out to me in hundreds of messages over the years. Kobabi acknowledges part of the memoir may not be appropriate for elementary school students. However, the author said the book's straightforward accounts could be used to show readers an experience growing up outside of cisgender and heterosexual norms. Nowhere in the story from NBC News do they dare show pictures from the book which show graphic, explicit depictions of sexual acts between kids, between teenagers. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Could it possibly be that the reporter at NBC News, NBC News, the New York Times, the New York Times reporter, Chelsea Clinton, could it be? 
that they want to expose your kids to these things? Could it possibly be that they think there's nothing wrong with that? Even the author of the book suggests maybe it's not appropriate for elementary school, but people living this existence, they, they might find something useful. I'm sorry, but they're putting this in elementary schools. These are graphic depictions. These are graphic depictions. And they want you to believe this book is being banned because it's just about a someone who's non-binary, transgender. No. It has nothing to do with that. They won't tell you the truthful story. They get upset that conservatives use the word grooming. I'm sorry, but when you have schools advocating kids take puberty-blocking drugs to stunt their growth. They begin to give the kids uh, different pronouns and allow the kids to embrace uh, different names, and they don't tell the parents at home. Yes, that sounds like they're grooming the child into something the child is not, something the parents would not want the child to be. It's supposed to be the parents who raise the kids and the teachers who educate the kids, and the teachers instead are grooming the kids into a lifestyle. It is not a coincidence that there is a massive spike in Gen Z kids who suddenly identify off the binary spectrum as something that does not exist in biology because it's all the craze these days in popular culture, among the teaching set, among the academics, among popular culture. It's actually a big thing. And of course, kids want to be seen as unique and popular in some way. And this is the thing that gets them all the attention these days. Gets them all the attention. So, of course, we're seeing a massive spike in this, uh, in, in transgenderism, because it's what the media embraces. It's what the media affirms. And what the media won't show you is the other side. The, you know, essentially, transgenders make up less than 1% of the population. There was a big story the other day, and I think it also was at NBC News, which there seems to be a pattern here with NBC News pushing this stuff. Like Chuck Todd on, on NBC said, well, the experts say there's more than, than two genders. Uh, no, actually, the experts don't say that. The English department says that. The biologists don't. I like Chuck, but it's absurd. You got experts out there who claim the MMR vaccine causes autism. Chuck Todd doesn't agree with those experts. He won't put those experts on the air. But you get an English professor with a PhD saying, actually, there's a plethora of genders in America. Oh, I got a PhD. They must be an expert. What about the MD and the autism linked to the vaccines? No, no, that guy's not an expert. That guy's crazy. But we don't embrace the other. This is part of the problem for the Democrats. And the Democrats need to understand this. When you are captured by crazy, it doesn't look crazy. You all on the left look at Donald Trump and, and the wackadoo crazy stolen election stuff on the right and think this party's been infested with and taken over by insanity. You people think it's perfectly fine for elementary schools to have books that depict oral sex for kids to read, and you don't think it's crazy. Therefore, to you, you don't recognize the crazy. When you've been captured by insanity, it doesn't look insane to you, but it does to everyone else. You've been captured by the crazy. And so you think there's nothing abnormal about kids deciding that they are non-binary? You know the way biology works. There's a male and there's a female. 
It actually is really simple. Your sociologists and your anthropologists, they can, they can spruce it up and say it's more complex than that. Do you know they dug up a 65-million-year-old dinosaur fossil, and the archaeologists who dug it up immediately knew that this dinosaur was a pregnant female? They had called the dinosaur Bob. When they got the entire dinosaur out from the rock, they immediately knew it was pregnant female. How? They couldn't ask the dinosaur what its gender was. They knew from the skeleton. And yet, two weeks ago, I played you the audio of the supposed anthropologist who said, if you dug up two humans, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the male and the female. Yes, you would, and every real anthropologist and archaeologist knows that. You people have been hijacked by the crazy, and you don't even know it, so you can't hold your own side accountable. You're so freaked out by Donald Trump and the stolen election conspiracy theory nonsense, and you look at the GOP and you say crazy has infected them. Yes, it's infected you too, but because you control NBC News and the major media outlets and the popular culture outlets and Hollywood and the Democratic Party, nobody in your side can see just how crazy it's become that you think it is A-OK for a child to mutilate his body in permanent fashion and call it gender-affirming care, or that you should expose elementary school kids to pornography in the library and claim it's just helping them become their whole self. You people have gone insane. And I'll be the one brave enough to tell you you're nuts. And also, wait for the backlash because it will come. Now, with backlashes happening in the stock market, I probably need to tell you about Advantage Gold. If you're interested at all in them helping you with your portfolio, you probably want to give Advantage Gold a call. Why? Because Advantage Gold can help you navigate the turmoil of rapid inflation, of the stock market, of all the nonsense that is out there right now. Call them at 800-450-2566. If you are at all interested in using gold, silver, other precious metals as part of your retirement planning, your 401k, your IRA, your general investment strategy, 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold is TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company uh, for seven years in a row. They give you straight advice, honest advice, candid advice. They want to help you use precious metals as part of your portfolio. 800-450-2566. The IRS has rules governing the use of precious metals in your retirement portfolios. you got to comply with those rules or you're going to be in a world of hurt. Advantage Gold can help you with those rules. They can even give you a free gold IRA investment kit. 800-450-2566. One more time, 800-450-2566. Well, it has taken a while, but with all of the data compiled from streaming services, uh, viewers on delay and live, it turns out that the Super Bowl back on February 12th between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles uh, is the most watched television show in American history. Two million more people than previously reported Uh, watched it, according to Fox, uh, which was the broadcaster. Uh, The undercount was due to errors experienced by Nielsen ratings. The new updated total shows 115.1 million households watched the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Philadelphia Eagles, beating the previous record holder, which was the 2015 Super Bowl, which averaged 114.4 million. Uh, So in February, Nielsen said the game was watched by 113 million people, which made it the third most watched television show of all time. Uh, But when they realized there was an error and re-examined the data, it turns out that uh, this was the most watched. The NFL has tended to 
unite Americans. It's why so many people were so mad about the Colin Kaepernick situation, uh, injecting partisan politics into uh, the NFL, people taking a knee, not wanting to stand for the national anthem. Uh, There's something American about it. Uh, I know my buddy George Will uh, is a huge baseball guy and thinks baseball is still America's pastime, uh, but it's not. People rally around the NFL. They want to watch it. The USFL and the XFL have been really poor substitutes. XFL better than the USFL, which is just garbage. But it's the NFL and college football that really matter in this country, depending on where you are. Some people, college is more is more important than, than national. But by and large, the National Football League is it for Americans. And most watched show in American history. Crazy.